What's up, power players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host and guy, Tom Tates. I'll be taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. And a few weeks ago, I shadow dropped an episode on volume 30, which covered Final Fantasy II for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. If you haven't checked that out, it's on the feed now. And I mentioned I'll be recording a quick bonus episode just to share where I've been and what I've been up to for so long. It's been a while. But before I jump in, I just want to thank uh, thank anyone who's been listening or has listened to the past uh, past episode or has caught up over the past couple of years. I had a couple hundred listens in the first day of release, and that was really surprising to me. I didn't expect so many people to hang on. So thank you. I'm definitely humbled and appreciative of all those who stayed subscribed to the podcast in your podcatcher or your RSS feeds. Uh, Super awesome. Thank you. And I hope to continue to put out some content that you enjoy. So today I will quickly break down the past, the present, the future. A few people reached out to me and asked, hey, is the show really coming back? Is it coming back more regularly? Uh, I appreciate the show. I want to hear it. And uh, they were worried that it was just kind of a one-off episode that I did and I'll disappear for another couple of years. So I will address that too. And I'll talk a little bit about the future of the show. Uh, so I'll talk for about like four or five minutes, not too long. I'm going to run uh, after that. I'm going to run a recording that I've actually been sitting on for a while. This is from the summer of 2019. And you all remember 2019, right? I know it was quite a while ago and a lot has happened since then. Uh, It was a simpler time, but I recorded a live episode of Power Time in front of a live audience in my hometown of Philadelphia. And I don't even remember it, (laughs) to be honest. So I'm listening to it, the recording now for the first time since then. And, uh, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago. I've never done anything like that before. My favorite part of podcasting is being able to kind of bask in my introvertness, you know, so to say, and record in my home, record in my basement, record in my bedroom whenever I can. Uh, so it was it was difficult, but it was really a blast kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I had live guests from the audience, people who've never heard the show before, kind of come on and share their Nintendo and Nintendo Power stories. So it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to play that at the end of this. But before we do that, let's talk about the past. So I took a break from February 28th, 2019 to November 2021, and that is a really long time, and I never really intended to take that much time off. It kind of started when I switched jobs back in 2019. I have three young kids. You might have heard me talk about that on the show before, and I took on a new job in 2019 that really required me to put in a lot more effort and put in more hours. And at the end of it all, at the end of the day, uh, between parenting and, and and a new job, I didn't have enough energy to invest in podcasting the way that I wanted to. Uh, and and during this time too, I was also editing a podcast. It was one of my favorite shows, New Game Plus. You might have heard me talk about that show as well too. Uh, so I was still getting my podcast fix, living kind of vicariously through helping to produce this other show. Uh, so I've since switched to a new job, <laughs> which takes even more effort. Uh, my family has moved twice during the pandemic. Uh, And it's been a ton of work kind of navigating parenting throughout the whole pandemic and schooling and all that stuff, plus moving. So it's been crazy and chaotic, not in a bad way. We stayed healthy. We stayed safe. I hope that you and your friends and family have as well. Uh, But it's just been crazy. I mean, this topsy-turvy world that we're living in, uh, it's been kind of nuts. So I also decided back in 2020, um, and it's interesting, this was actually pre-pandemic, uh, to take a general uh, hiatus from the internet. Uh, I decreased like 99% of my Twitter and my Facebook usage. I stopped creating content of any kind. I purged a ton of like YouTube and podcast consumption that I was doing. And I just spent a lot of time kind of in the analog world. And it was incredible. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of rekindled my love of, of playing music. I started uh, playing guitar again and, and writing music and doing all kinds of fun stuff like in the in the analog world in the IRL so they say um and it really got me into a healthy headspace and now I'm kind of wading back into the internet waters so to speak I've been discovering new podcasts I've been catching up with old favorites I've been reading Twitter more kind of engaging on Twitter more I have been participating in discord communities more uh and that kind of brings us to to the future so I actually didn't intentionally plan to bring power time back last month. It just kind of happened on its own. And I realized this afterwards that it happened to be the November 1991 issue. And I released this episode in November of 2021. And that was kind of this like stroke of serendipity, if you will. So 
I love that it lined up to be a 30-year retrospective to the month. And I actually didn't even notice that until after it happened. Uh, So I'm really energized by this coincidence so much that I'm going to commit to bringing Power Time back as a monthly show. Uh, It'll align with the issue that released that month 30 years ago every month. And I'm kind of excited by this, you know, for a couple of different reasons. Like one, it'll line up with the seasons, which I think is kind of cool. Next month, we'll be getting into the holidays and the issue will reflect that. Uh, When the issue talks about spring, summer, fall, going back to school, later on E3 will be a thing during the summer months. That'll line up hopefully with E3, current E3s. Uh, It'll correspond to the time of year we're actually in. And and that's kind of cool and fun and interesting. I like that it'll always be kind of a, a look back into the time capsule of 30 years prior to whatever month we're in. And it also, you know, doing it monthly will let me have some breathing room between episodes. It'll help me to prepare and produce a good show. Like that's one of the reasons why I never jumped back into the show for so long is because I want to make sure that it's a good show, uh, that it meets the quality standards that I appreciate with podcasts that hopefully you appreciate too. And just like the magazine, now it'll drop randomly and unexpectedly in kind of the early few weeks of the month. So when I was a kid, getting a new issue of Nintendo Power in the mail was such a nice surprise. You never knew when it'd show up. And the podcast will start to take that form. Like it'll just kind of happen to show up in your feed. And hopefully it'll be a nice surprise for you. I'm also quietly working on a new project that I'm not quite ready to talk about. It's kind of weird. It's kind of out there, still related to video games and retro gaming. And I'll share that when we're closer to it actually being a show that you can check out and listen to. Uh, It'll have its own name, its own website. It'll be separate than Power Time. Uh, But again, that's pretty much it. I really appreciate anyone who has been tuning in, uh, who maybe has discovered the show uh, over the past couple of years while I've been dormant, not creating anything. Uh, I really appreciate it. Your time and attention makes it all worthwhile for me. And uh, I'm going to continue to put out a show that is, as I say in the beginning, for gamers of all ages, uh, for any gamers, you know, casual, hardcore, whatever. And uh, with that, you know, let's just roll this live recording that I did in Philadelphia. And I will see you next month in December with the Metroid 2 issue of Nintendo Power. I actually started playing the game for the first time. I'm playing on a Game Boy Advance, uh, the original cartridge. It is awesome. Uh, So I'm excited to talk about that. And uh, yeah, let's roll the tape. Uh, Levels on this mic. Testing one, two... Nice. Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, We're going to get started. I play a lot of music in my podcast, so I wanted this experience uh, to be the same. So I'm going to play some songs throughout. So get comfortable, grab a drink, grab some food if you want to. And we're going to kick things off with the introduction music to my show. Normally I do a little fade out, but I'm not going to do that now. We're going to have to listen to the whole thing. But it's a rad song, so it's cool. Welcome everybody to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host and guide, Tom Tate. I will be taking you through a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. So if you grew up in the 1980s and 1990s, you might remember this fantastic magazine. And the premise of my podcast uh, is to literally go through issue by issue and to dig through like and find all the awesome retro gems in every single one. So I'm super excited to be here. It is live. Uh, we are here as a part of uh, Philly PodFest, Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Uh, I'll be sharing some of our awesome sponsors in just a bit. Uh, we're also here at Tattooed Moms, which is a fantastic venue to host something like this. Um, I just want to get a few things out of the way before we be- begin. Uh, I am a super nerd, uh, so I really geek out on 
retro video games, Nintendo specifically. So uh, with with this podcast, it's like the perfect marriage of video game history and me never wanting to grow up, right? Um, and, and trying to cling on to all the things of my youth. Um, it's a solo show. Um, so as I mentioned, I chronologically go through every issue of Nintendo Power and it, it's cool because it kind of takes you from like the early days with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, and then they went all the way through to like the Wii era of, of uh, Nintendo. Uh, but also because it's a solo show, I get to record it from the comforts of my own home. I'm a mega introvert. Um, so most podcasts are. So I think it's pretty funny to have podcast festivals like this where you just kind of plop introverts in front of people um, and expect them to be comfortable talking. Uh, so I, I kind of cling to my notes a little bit. So I have my notes here. Uh, just kind of how I run my show. Um, there's also some things that I like to uh, read to. Um, I I really want this to be a little bit interactive, right? So there's a few people here. Uh, actually, there's thousands of people here, um, you know, for all the people who are just listening. There's like 100 people here at least. Um, so at some point during the show, I'd love to invite somebody on the show. Um, so if you're, feel, if you're feeling comfortable and if you have memories of playing Nintendo at any time period in your life, uh, I'd love to have you on the show and ask you a few questions. So we'll see, uh, you know, as we get there. Uh, but the other thing I want to do before we get started is I really want to describe tattooed moms for all of my listeners. Uh, I have, I don't really have a regional podcast. You know, there's a lot of podcasts that participate in this festival. They have Philadelphia based podcasts, um, and they have a lot of fans. I have some local fans. Unfortunately, they're all at uh, BitGen gamer festival, which is in Baltimore, uh, right now, which is really awesome. Um, but I, I don't have like Philadelphia listeners, right? I have listeners from all across the United States and a couple of people from the UK. So I think it's appropriate that I describe Tattooed Moms. Uh, it's one of the more elegant establishments in Philadelphia. Um, so the, the walls are kind of decorated with really high-end, expensive artwork, um, nice gold trim around the, the paintings on the walls. Uh, the, the men's room, um, there's a sign on the men's room. It says, gentlemen, um, and I just used it, uh, I guess that's TMI, but I just used it prior to, uh, to recording. And there was a bidet in there. I haven't seen a bidet in a Philadelphia establishment in a long time. So, um, or ever, <laughs> never used one. Um, this is one of the best places in Philadelphia. I have fond memories of, of tattooed moms when I lived in uh, Pennsport, uh, South Philadelphia, uh, with this guy right here who's hanging out, uh, my good friend, Anthony. Um, and, yeah, just a fantastic place. So if you're in Philadelphia, for all of my fans who are, are not from, from the region, definitely stop by, grab a drink, uh, support Tattooed Moms. They're a fantastic venue, and I'm super pumped uh, to be here and that they're supporting this festival. So we have to do one quick thing. We kind of have to go back in time to really start this podcast. So we're going to hop into the, into the DeLorean, right? We're going to rev it up to 88 miles per hour of course. And we're going to go back to 1985. So 1985 was a really fantastic year. The 80s were a different time. It seems like the 80s were a little carefree, a little fun. Um, there was a lot of interesting stuff happening in, in the world. Uh, and in video games in 1985, the, the industry was kind of in a recession. Um, so between 1983 and 1985, uh, Atari kind of peaked in the early 80s and then and then crashed. Um, so they talk about this, the video game crash of 1983. Um, and a lot of manufacturers, a lot of people in the industry, they thought that this is the end of video games, right? Um, arcades were still popular, but video games were not popular at the time. So um, Nintendo came along uh, in Japan and they released what they called the Famicom, which was the family computer. And it was a home console, and they brought it over to the United States as the Nintendo Entertainment System. This is what I grew up with, what many people of this generation uh, grew up with. Um, there's actually these funny stories about this, this crash where um, there was actually a landfill where they, they dumped thousands and thousands of E.T. Atari cartridges into a landfill because they just weren't selling. And then Nintendo came along. Um, they were a Japanese toy company. Uh, they found a lot of success creating toys, and then they started finding a lot of success creating arcade machines. And they brought a lot of those Japanese arcades over to the United States. So like Donkey Kong, for example, is a really popular Nintendo arcade that came over to the U.S. Uh, and then they wanted to bring the Nintendo Entertainment System over to this market. 
So video games were different back then. Um, we have release dates now, you know, so like if you want to get uh, a new console, like when the Nintendo Switch was released, everyone knew what the release date was. You know, it's going to re- release on this date. You can pre-order it. Uh, back then it was different. They didn't have release events like that. Um, I think the the fabled first release date for a video game was uh, Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That was like the first game that had like a monumental, like here's the date when it's dropping. But prior to that, things just kind of showed up. Um, it showed up in your area. Uh, so the Nintendo Entertainment System didn't really have a release date. Sometime in 1985, it just started to show up in certain regional areas in, in the United States, uh, New York specifically. And then it just ended up in the homes of so many Americans, right? And it became a staple of the living room. Uh, if you had siblings, you know, you gather around it. Parents like to play it. Kids of all ages like to play it. And it really brought back the industry. Uh, and it, it really kind of created a new boom in, in the console uh, generation of video games. Uh, and then Sega obviously came in and competed with uh, the Sega Genesis competing against the Super Nintendo. And then the PlayStation came to compete against the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64. So like it competition kind of bred growth as well. So it was a really awesome time uh, for video games. And Nintendo of America, they, they needed a way to really connect with people who are just getting into video games. They needed a way to market this uh, to new fans uh, and get into more homes. And of course, with video game consoles, it's not the console that makes the money, it's the software that comes out afterwards. You know, So they need a way to keep people playing these games. And one of the ways that Nintendo of America did this was they produced a magazine called Nintendo Power. So I have a couple issues with me today. And this magazine was huge for them in terms of being able to market Nintendo and market the games that were coming out and and also work with their partners, right? People who were creating games that weren't directly Nintendo games. So prior to this coming out, they actually had a an old school newsletter. Um, so it was called the Nintendo Fun Club News. This is pre-Nintendo Power. And they would actually mail out uh, like paper newsletters, uh, similar to like if you were in the Kiss fan club in the 1970s, like, you know, Kiss Army, uh, Kiss would send out these newsletters and it would keep you up to date with all the things that were happening in the world of Kiss. Nintendo took a page from that book and they started sending out these newsletters. Um, The first one featured Super Mario Brothers uh, on the cover, and then it would go through and feature a bunch of games that were coming out in 1987 and 1988, Legend of Zelda, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, Um, eventually Zelda two was featured there as well. And it would really preview these games for a lot of people who didn't, who who didn't have them in their rental stores at the time. Right. So it would get people hyped and amped up to play these games. Um, so it was an awesome, uh, way for them to connect with people. They found that it was successful. They were getting a bunch of people joining Nintendo fun club news. Uh, and then they decided to take it to the next level with a magazine. Uh, and the first issue of Nintendo power magazine was July, August of 1988. And it, featured Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, so Super Mario Brothers 2 is a really interesting game. Uh, everyone knows the original Super Mario Brothers. Uh, it was kind of the hit when the Nintendo was released. Super Mario Brothers 2 was actually not supposed to be a Mario game. Uh, in Japan, it was called Doki Doki Panic. And this is a fun little side story. Uh, but Doki Doki Panic was based on a TV show, a cartoon in Japan. And it had all different characters. No Mario characters were in that game. Um, but they wanted to release a game quickly with the Mario branding uh, so that they can get that out into the United States. There was a Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, but they thought it was too difficult for American players. So they didn't bring it over to the United States. Uh, instead, they took this game, Doki Doki Panic, and they slapped on some Mario characters uh, in, in place of the uh, pixels, uh, the sprites of the cartoon characters, and they just brought that over and called it Super Mario Brothers 2. That's why it's such a weird game. It doesn't seem to fit. Uh, and they wrapped it in this idea that, spoiler alert, uh, at the end of the game, Mario is dreaming. Um, so it kind of ties it all together. Like, it didn't have to make sense because it was just a dream anyways. Um, so Super Mario Brothers 2 was a huge game when it was released. And one of the ways that Nintendo was able to get people so into this and continue to uh, have enthusiasm for the franchise was to release this magazine, uh, Nintendo Power. So as a kid, like one of the best things in the world for me as a kid was getting a new game. 
Uh, and like my family wasn't super rich or anything. So for us getting a new game, it only happened like two, three times a year, right? Like you had your birthday, you were lucky if you got one new game for your birthday, uh, Christmas, we typically had like one awesome game under the tree. Uh, and then like uh, the random surprise, right? Like, you know, you got an awesome report card. So your parents are like, you can go get a, a game from the bargain bin, right? Which usually sucked, but like, you know, who cares? It was a new game. You got it. Um, so that was really the only couple times that you got to experience that was like two, three times a year. So what Nintendo power offered was this opportunity for once a month, you know, you would have this surprise in your mailbox of like pages and pages of new games that you could experience, you know, even though you weren't actually playing the games, you're learning about them, you're getting super hyped. Uh, and it was a lot of fun at the time. I, the only thing that came in the mail for me was highlights magazine. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. Like highlights magazine was like, boring as heck. This is the magazine that was in the dentist's office, you know, while you're waiting for the dentist or like in the doctor's office. And they had like some fun little activities that you can do in there. Uh, and I remember my, my, my parents got me a subscription to that. But as soon as I smuggled my first Nintendo power into the home, I borrowed it from a friend at school and he let me take it home for a couple of days. I convinced my parents to let me get this. Uh, and it was way better than highlights, right? So this really transforms, uh, it transformed me as a gamer. It, it definitely got me more connected with the games that were on the platform and the games that were coming out. Um, so it was it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. So that's some history right there about Nintendo Power, how it came to be, uh, what it is. Uh, I'm going to, again, play some music uh, to kind of break up a couple of these segments. And then I'm going to talk through like the anatomy of Nintendo Power. I'm going to talk through like some of the sections that were really great. Uh, in this magazine and why it was such a joy to read it. Uh, and hopefully if you have memories of that, they all start coming back. So uh, real quick, I'm not going to play all this track, but this is uh, one of my favorite songs from any video games. Uh, I'll see if you can recognize it. Uh, you, you may not, but I'll let you know what it is afterwards. But I'm just going to let you guys hold on to that one for one second. Anybody? You know. Yeah. DuckTales. Uh, so that was the moon stage in DuckTales, uh, which is one of the uh, kind of grooviest NES tracks. Um, and that was performed by The Advantage, uh, which are an awesome cover band from California. So I just want to kind of break down this magazine for you. The cover was always really exciting for me. Like you kind of get this uh, get this out of the mail and you would check out the cover and the cover would usually make or break whether or not I was going to enjoy the actual issue. Um, typically, if it was a Nintendo title that they were promoting, they would invest a ton in the cover. So one of the popular cover art uh motifs for Nintendo Power was this claymation style where they would create these little clay models of like Super Mario or Mega Man uh, and they would place them in these dioramas and they would they would photograph them and that would ultimately become the cover. So Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, were a couple of my favorites and the Mega Man 
two one actually had like real hair coming out of one of the characters heads, which was really kind of creepy. But that was one of the main things. And then the other was uh, you would have these weird photographs of actors portraying video game characters. Occasionally you would get that, which is really awkward. Um, And usually those were reserved for like the third party games that were not typically going to be that popular. Uh, Or you would get secondhand drawings of already popular characters. So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue has really crude drawings of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they couldn't hire the actual illustrators to do the actual work. So they would hire some uh, cheap illustrator to actually do it. Um, So verbatim from issue number one, this is great because it kind of explains what to expect from the issue. We've packed Nintendo Power full of special features like Pack Watch, which tells you when to look for the latest, greatest hits. Get the hottest tips from the pros in Counselor's Corner. Check classified information for one-of-a-kind moves you can pull off with certain programs like Built-in Continue. Find out what new video games have just been released and now playing. Look at NES Journal for the latest news about hit arcades like Vindicators. Mailbox, NES Achievers, Video Spotlight, and Top 30 are just a few more features that will keep you glued to Nintendo Power like Mario to a Magic Mushroom. Every issue, we will have a great big colorful poster that you can pull out and put up on the wall. That was another huge staple of Nintendo powers. Every issue you'd have this huge poster. Um, so before I had my subscription, I had a couple of friends and I would go over their house or like a couple neighbors and I would go into their room and they would have all these like super rad Nintendo posters just kind of like plastered on their walls, which made me super jealous. Uh, another reason why I convinced my parents to let me actually get that subscription. Um, so in the early days, uh, there was also a lot of cheesy ads because um, obviously this whole thing was just like a mechanism to advertise to young kids. Um, so there, there was these cheesy ads like like one was like a rad 90s kid on a surfboard and he was like balancing stacks of video games. Um, and it looks like they're going to fall over, but he's having so much fun. He's got his shades on. Uh, so that was always a good one. Uh, And then the other ads were typically for their hotline. Um, Does anyone remember the Nintendo hotline? Yeah. So like back in the day, um, and this was popularized in a movie called The Wizard. So there was a Ben Savage movie called The Wizard. Uh, The Wizard was a popular movie and... uh, the Wizard did two things. One, it advertised Nintendo really well uh, because it was just video games throughout the whole thing. There's a scene where they call the Nintendo hotline, which was like an 855 number you could call, where I think like a five minute call would cost you like $25. Um, and if you go over that, you just start racking up your parents' phone bill. Uh, but you could call and you can ask them for tips on how to beat certain levels in games. So the idea here was there was an office somewhere in Washington where game counselors uh, would help you through difficult games if you call this 855 number. And they would advertise this in Nintendo Power. So there would be these ads where it was just trying to get kids to like basically call and waste their parents' money. Uh, The Wizard did another cool thing. It debuted Super Mario Brothers 3. So the first time anyone saw Super Mario 3 was in this movie, The Wizard. Um, So after after that, like when you start turning the pages, there's always a big section for the featured game. Uh, So that would be the game that's featured on the cover. I spent a lot of time on the podcast digging through the history of that game. So I'm really into video game history. So uh, I'll dig through and try to find really awesome development stories. Uh, A lot of times interesting things about game development comes out like it comes out like 15, 20 years later when they start to interview some of the creators and they kind of recollect on that time period. Uh, But there's a lot of interesting stuff to just like dig up. So I'll do the research and dig that up and share that. Obviously, I share a lot of the music from the featured game. Um, Then there's reviews and the reviews are really interesting because they get really technical with the reviews. And I don't think kids really cared about that stuff. So it would be like, here's how many megabytes of memory this game has. Or here's the specific NES proprietary chip that this game is using. So they would have these interesting things. Uh, And then they would have these walkthroughs where they would show typically games back in this era, they were side scrolling, you know, so Super Mario Brothers, you start at one point, you side scroll all the way to the end. Uh, So what the editors and creators of Nintendo Power Magazine had to do was they would take a photograph of a screen. They didn't have Photoshop back then. They didn't have like a way to do this digitally. They would take a photograph of the screen they would move to the next section of the game, take another photograph and they would piece all those photographs together to create like the full view of the level. And they would publish that in Nintendo power. So like you could see 
the entire level or the entire map. Uh, and that was very frequently uh, placed in the featured section of the game. Uh, Counselor's Corner and Classified Information was a really popular section in Nintendo Power. These two sections were where you got all the hottest tips and tricks and codes. Uh, some of them were really, really ridiculous uh, to the point where if you didn't have a subscription to Nintendo Power, I don't know how anyone would figure this stuff out. So one of them was Ingles and Ghosts. Is there a stage select? That was the question that somebody asked. And the answer is absolutely absurd. The answer is hold the control pad right and push the B button three times. Press up and release. Next, push B three times. Push left, release, and then B three times again. Push down, release, and push B three more times. Then push start, select the A button or B button at the same time, and push start once again. Now you're on the right track. So how would anyone be able to just like figure that out, right? So another popular code back in this time period was called the Konami code. Uh, Does anyone remember that? Yeah, so Contra was a popular game back then, and it was really, really difficult to play this game called Contra. The only way that you could really progress in this game is if you knew the Konami code, which was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. Uh, And it became a popular code that they would put in later games. And uh, that was also featured in the first issue of Nintendo Power. So you would have kids on the schoolyard who'd be like, yo, man, you know the Konami code? And it would be this like cool secretive thing, but like they found out about this stuff ahead of time in the magazine. So it had a really interesting impact uh, on kind of video game culture at the time. You know, this idea of codes, cheat codes. It was early uh, back then. Uh, And then later on in Nintendo Power, they would showcase the counselors, which were usually like young white dudes in Washington, like in their young 20s. And they were total like bros, like party dudes. And they would show a picture of them and they would show these little descriptions of their hobbies uh, and their best NES accomplishments, like these little blurbs. So the hobbies are really funny. I have a, a one of them right here. His name is Brian Anderson. His hobbies include drawing, water skiing, playing soccer, listening to Van Halen and tossing Frisbees. So this gives you an idea of what the counselor culture was like at Nintendo of America at the time, which was really, really hilarious. Um, Other hobbies from other counselors, uh, snacking, pizza, dirt bikes, and playing electric bass. So these guys really knew how to have a good time. Um, I I do appreciate that eventually it it only takes them like 30 issues, but they eventually start featuring women who worked, you know, at these, this actual organization, which was nice that they finally did that. Um, the next section that was really popular in Nintendo Power was uh, the, the comics. Uh, so they typically had comic strips. They had one called Howard and Nestor, which was a really funny comic strip that became very popular. Uh, it featured this little kid, this little punk. Uh, his name is Nestor. He's always getting into trouble uh, and he's always failing at video games. And this guy, Howard, who was actually based on a real person. So his name was Howard Phillips. Uh, there's a lot of lore, uh, Nintendo lore around him. Uh, he he worked in the, the factory uh, where they shipped all the arcade cabinets over from Japan. So he got to test and play all the Nintendo arcade cabinets before they started shipping them out to actual arcades in the United States. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Like he became super well versed at video games and really skilled. So when new Nintendo games would come over from Japan, he would play these games and he would, uh, you know, learn everything about these games. So he became, uh, one of the editors of the magazine. So when Nintendo power would, would start reviewing games, like he was the guy who was playing through all the games and really writing these reviews and kind of dictating what the content was going to be in the magazine. Uh, So he became a character in this comic strip, you know, where Nestor would be getting into trouble uh, and then he would go and he would kind of help him out. Right. And he would offer like little tips and tricks throughout it. Uh, Previews and pack watch was another section. This was my favorite section of Nintendo power magazine. So essentially this was all the games that were coming out in the future. And that was really like, exciting for me, especially when there were sequels to games I really loved, you know? So when, when I really loved a game and I found out like, oh my God, they're making a sequel to this, I would freak out. Uh, we didn't have the internet back then. So you didn't get those, that news anywhere else, you know? So I would get this magazine and get super pumped. Uh, and it really gets exciting in 1991 when they start previewing the Super Nintendo. So that was when like you're seeing 16-bit graphics for the first time, you know, which is like, 
as a kid, right? So I was really excited in, in the early 90s when you're starting to see these games released that look totally different than the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, so that was really, really awesome. Uh, Player's Pulse, uh, that is a section where people would send in letters uh, to the actual editor. Later on, it's it's kind of a hub for fan art. So fan art was really big in video game culture. Uh, and early on, they would send in drawings uh, that people would, uh, people would do of their favorite video game characters. Uh, NES Achievers was a section where you would actually take a photograph of your high scores. Again, we didn't have the internet. So if you had a high score in a video game, you could take a photograph of that score and you could mail it to the magazine uh, and they would write your name, uh, where you're from and your high score. And they would just list that off, list, list that out. Uh, and they had a section for this in every single issue. Uh, and the famous story with NES Achievers is Steve Wozniak, who was one of the founders of, of Apple, right? Uh, he was addicted to Tetris uh, for the Game Boy. And he had these high scores on Tetris that were that exceeded anyone else's high scores. They were astronomical. Uh, so he would actually send in his high scores to Nintendo Power. You know, here's this multi-billion dollar guy who's just playing Game Boy. Uh, and I found this quote from Business Insider. According to the Waz, as he went by, he was so great that Nintendo Power Magazine started refusing to print his high scores in his Game Boy Tetris rankings. So he was so good, they just stopped. They just started ignoring his scores. Um, one of the fun sections, if you want a good laugh, is celebrity profiles. So this was really an excuse for them to kind of partner with popular celebrities and promote whatever that person was doing. Uh, so Macaulay Culkin, you know, they would talk to Macaulay Culkin and be like, Hey man, you just got done, you know, filming Home Alone 2. Let's talk about video games. And he would he would kind of talk about a couple games that he was enjoying, just promote those. Um, the guy who played Urkel was on there. Uh, they did one for Bart Simpson, right? Which is not not a real person, you know. So I don't know how they pulled that one off. Uh, but they did a celebrity profile, Bart Simpson. Uh, and then the issue of Nintendo Power kind of closes out with their top 30. Uh, and this was always cool too, especially if you wanted to like create your wish list, you know, like Christmas is coming up. You want to get an idea of what to ask mom and dad for, for Christmas. Uh, you would hit the top 30 and just kind of see what the top of the charts were for Nintendo and Super Nintendo and then later Game Boy. So it was great to see those top games every month. Uh, and then there was tons more. There was surprises in every single issue. Uh, sometimes they would do really cool profiles on the hardware. So if you were into the hardware, you can learn about that. Uh, sometimes they would do, they would go out to a conference uh, like um, E3 was a big conference, you know, that for video games. Uh, and they would go out to the conference and then they would report back on all the cool games that are going to be coming out in the future. Um, but yeah, I definitely invite you if you're a video game fan, uh, especially if you're a video game fan from that era, if you go to retromags.com, you can get every issue. Like they're all there. They're all available for you to download and check out and read and reminisce. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I brought a couple with me today. Uh, but yeah, Nintendo Power Magazine, it was awesome. And uh, you can also check out my show. So I'm at issue number 30. Uh, so I've been chronologically going through each one. Uh, so I'm at volume 30 now. I'm in 1991. I'm talking about the Super Nintendo. So if that's a little bit more your speed, you can start with the more recent episodes. If you want to go back to the beginning, you can do that too. Uh, but really, you know, Nintendo and, and retro gaming for me, it's it's more about the, the stories, you know, that 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 I remember and the stories that people share. So I have a couple awesome episodes where I talked with people in the video game industry and I've interviewed a couple of video game journalists. Uh, and really, instead of asking for information, like I try to get them to share their stories of kind of growing up back in, in this, th this day, right? The late 80s, early 90s, and kind of understand like what it was like for them. Uh, because what I find is a lot of us, we share the same we share the same memories. You know, we come from all different places in the United States. Uh, and as I started producing this podcast, you know, I had a bunch of people leave me reviews and write, um, write me, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, you played that Mega Man three track. And it immediately reminded me of, you know, playing with my older brother in my living room, you know? Uh, so for me, it's all about the stories. I remember vividly when I got my first Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, I was late to the game. It was 1990. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, it started to kind of peak in the, in the late 80s, 87-ish. Uh, uh, it was a gift for my dad, right? It was his 30th birthday. And uh, we had an Atari growing up, but 
like nobody really played it. And my mom went out and got a Nintendo for my dad. And like he had no interest, like zero interest in having a Nintendo. Didn't want to play it at all. So I lucked out on that one. That immediately became my Nintendo. My older sister didn't want to play either. So like this was my console now. Uh, and I vividly remember, you know, that entering the home. I remember going to my neighbor's house and like borrowing games. Uh, anyone remember rental shops, video stores, you know, like these are a thing of the past, but back in the day we had Southampton video. You can go get four games for four nights for four bucks. And that was amazing. Right. So I would go and I would pick out four games, uh, and I would play the heck out of those games. Uh, so renting games was, was totally fun. Uh, I remember this is how big of a nerd I was. I remember for some of the more difficult games, I would actually sketch out the map you know, and I would like leave notes, uh, especially with a game like Metroid, you know, where you got to do some backtracking. I would create little mini maps and I would leave notes for myself. Uh, passwords were really big back then. You don't really need passwords for games, but back then you'd have to like write the passwords at the back of the instruction manual. Uh, so that was a lot of fun too. Uh, and I remember sharing experiences with my siblings, right? So we would go on long car rides, me and my, my sister, uh, we would play Tetris. Uh, we had two Game Boys and we had a link cable going across our minivan uh, and we would wear out those AA batteries. You know, we would just play Tetris for hours uh, and it was great. I mean, it was, it was a really good time. And, you know, there's a lot of awesome stories uh, to share. Uh, so I want to play another quick track, right? If anybody is bold enough, I want to invite you to come up to the second mic and share one of your video game stories growing up. If you're a fan of video games, uh, you know, no pressure, but that would be awesome. Uh, and I'm also interested in giving away one of my copies of Nintendo Power for nostalgia purposes, if you want to come share one of your stories. Uh, so one more track. And then uh, if we have some time remaining, you know, if anybody wants to come share, uh, if you have a podcast, you can promote your podcast. That's totally cool. I'll share that with my listeners uh, and see how it goes. give a shout out to Philly Podfest sponsors. Philly Podfest 2019 is brought to you by Indie Hall's Podcast Junto, Tattooed Moms, where we are today, the National Liberty Museum, World Cafe Live, New Media Touring, Fireball Printing, Everything is Awesome, The Podcast, OB Media Podcasting Services, Philly Banner Express, Tea House Screen Printing, Bridge Set Sounds, the Philadelphia Podcasting Society, they all worked really hard to make this festival possible. And I also want to thank all the people who volunteered their time this weekend and last weekend to really make this as great as it could be. Uh, thanks so much for coming out to Philly Pod Fest. All right, we have our first guest. Uh, if I can ask who you are and where you're from, we can jump right in. For sure. My name is Kate Madera. Nice. Um, are you a podcaster? Yes. What is your show? Grasslands Without Time. Nice. Can you, in 30 seconds, give me the elevator pitch for Grasslands Without Time? Yeah, sure. It's a surrealist um, fictional narrative that basically is a sound bath slash good friend generator. I'm really into good friend generators, so I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds awesome. Um, okay, so first question. I'm really interested. Uh, did you grow, grow up with a Nintendo console of any kind? Yeah, we had Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Yeah. Yeah. What is your earliest memories of getting, you know, one of that those consoles in your home? You know, whether it was the Nintendo 
Uh, do you remember any specific games or anything? Yeah. Um, most, I think the first game we got was like just Mario. Yeah. Um, we played Zelda a lot. The thing that I remember the most was the original Nintendo game and having to clean the games out. Um, yeah. I have no idea why that's the, the, the thing that sticks in my mind the most, but it was always like really difficult. You had to like sit there for like 20 minutes to just like blow at the, the edge of the console to kind of get everything to work. So for some of the younger listeners and some of the younger audience members, uh, Nintendo games were these cartridges and they had these slots and everyone had their own special trick on how to get them to work because after a while they just stopped working. And one of the biggest tricks um, is is blowing in the cartridge, which was absolutely ridiculous. But it but it did work. Uh, my cousin had a trick where he would slide a, a deck of cards into okay. the actual console to hold it down at a certain angle. And, and that worked for him too. Uh, so they were very finicky machines. Um, but yeah, that's a great memory. Uh, you played, uh, so Mario, Legend of Zelda. Uh, later on, you said you, you ended up with a Nintendo 64. Yeah. Nintendo 64 was very popular for having four controller inputs. Do you remember playing like four player games or playing with more yeah, people? Yeah, we used to play um, Mario Party and uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, amazing yeah. games. Obviously still popular today. They're releasing Mario Party and Smash Brothers games. Uh, still, um, did you have the first Mario Party? Yeah. Do you remember? So we'll see if well, I'm going to test your memory. Do you remember with the first Mario Party on Nintendo 64, which had an analog stick in the controller in the middle of the controller? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember wearing out like the middle of your palm because there were so many games that required you to like rotate that controller? I think I broke two controllers playing Mario Party back in the day. I. I don't know if I remember breaking anything or wearing anything out, but I do remember kind of like the feeling of like getting stuck in the game because I'm just like doing the same motion over and over again. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That game was so much fun. You know, that couch co-op, you know, that Nintendo 64 introduced was awesome. Cool. Do you have any other memories of Nintendo you want to share? Um, hmm. I will say about my Super Smash game, um, I always chose to play as Zelda, um, and that was the only game that I would ever win. I don't really care. I never cared about winning the versus games, um, but that was kind of my, my my prideful moment where I actually like, I always won if I played nice. Zelda on Super Smash. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone has their skills. That's yeah. beautiful. Cool. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. I want to offer you one of these magazines. If you want to take one, we have Battletoads, we have Star Tropics and Mega Man 3. Oh, Mega Man 3. I so good. Yeah. That is all yours to keep straight out of 1991. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> awesome. Let's give a round of applause. Um, I probably have like two or three more minutes. Yeah, like two or three more minutes. Does anybody else want to hop on? I got a second microphone here and you can share your memories or stories of Nintendo. We can go way back to the Nintendo Entertainment System days or we can we can talk about GameCube if you want. If Let's do it. I'm in. I, I, yeah, I'm going to challenge you now that you've okay. said it's a pretty good story. But before you jump in, let's sure. let's know uh, who you are and where you're from. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm uh, I'm from West Philly. Um, I have my own podcast too. Can I can promote? I or, Pro- okay, we're podcasters uh, here. We promote Spirits and Lyrics. Uh, you can go to spiritsandlyrics.com. Definitely check it out. It's libations, storytelling, and uh, supernatural. Nice. So if anybody's interested in those three, th- those three things and putting those together, go to uh, spiritsandlyrics.com. All the uh, different podcast places where you want to find it is there. So, all right. So storytelling, you know, is a part of your podcast. So let's, I'm trying. Let's I'm, I'm, I'm not that it. good at it. I'm still working on yeah. it. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I, I think I was in like second grade. Um, my dad let me stay home from school so I could beat a super C. Not the original Contra, the one where you had to put in the code with oh, yeah. uh, the 10 men and not 30. But um, yeah, he he let me stay home. He said I, I, I was sick. So yeah. it was it was me and him. 
Yeah. He's not that good, but, you know, he took most of my lives while I was playing. So so you guys were both playing. Yeah. Yeah, we tried. Yeah. I mean, we we didn't actually get through it, but it's something that I, I never forgot, though. But it, it, it was cool. So Super C was was uh, we were talking about Contra earlier. We we're talking about the Konami code. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you entered that Konami code in Super C, you didn't get 30. You got 10. My mind was blown. I was like, yeah. what is this? What well, I'm supposed yeah. to do with 10? I, got, 10, I can't do nothing with 10. And it was still hard. It was so hard. So yeah. Super C, Super Nintendo. Do you have any other Super Nintendo memories? I'm a Genesis dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. That's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for, uh, for, uh, all right. Genesis. Yeah. Genesis. yeah okay. Genesis. That's cool. I mean, Console look, Wars. I, I can appreciate that. I'm, I'm coming back to it now as I'm older. So I'm getting everything now. So I'm getting like, was it Chrono Trigger and all nice. the yeah. Final Fantasy stuff. I'm playing it now as an adult. So yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I went, it was a Nintendo, but then to, uh, to, to Sega after that. Yeah. Was it the music? <sighs> music for Sega was really, really good. Yeah. Right, so the music, the sound chip on the Sega, it was a little bit better than the Super Nintendo. It was so. also the blood, cl- the the blood code in uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that helped too. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. I appreciate it. I would like to offer you your own copy of Nintendo Power Magazine. You can choose between Star Tropics or Battletoads. Definitely Battletoads. You I got it. Beat that. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Awesome. So that's going to wrap up this episode, this live episode. You know, I'm so grateful that I want to say at this point, 175 people showed up, 190 people. I mean, it's a packed house here at Tattooed Moms. As I mentioned, you know, we're surrounded by this elegant, glamorous artwork. This is a really high end place in Philadelphia. The gold, uh, the gold trim is glistening. Um, you know, the bathrooms are pristine. So if you find yourself in Philadelphia, please come out to Tattoo Moms, support the staff here. They're amazing. Uh, definitely continue to support Philadelphia Podcast Festival, all of the sponsors that we mentioned already. We have the Ghouls Next Door next. So check out the Ghouls Next Door podcast as well. Uh, and check out Power Time Podcast if you're into old retro video games, if you're into the history of Nintendo, if you're into Nintendo Power Magazine, powertimepodcast.com. I appreciate it. And we're going to take it out.